Let's all turn to the book of John. John chapter 14, in fact. As we turn to John chapter 14, we're going to read verses 15 through 21. And after you have found the book of John, and you get to chapter 14, and we're going to read chapter 15, or verses 15 through 21, please stand on the reading of his word. And it says, John chapter 14, 15 through 21, If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, for it does not see him, neither does it know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You will live also. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me, and he who loves me will, lo will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Of course, the counselor is the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there are laws that are given. The very first law, the first covenant, was given to Abraham. And that was the law of circumcision. And that was given unto him. And it was a promise between man and God. And there was then given a few others. One was, uh, of course, the Ten Commandments. We know about them. Those are ten, ten of them. Altogether, there were 613 laws that are given. 613 laws. These are biblical laws. And they're often misunderstood. We know there are three types of laws in the Bible. We speak about them on occasions. I keep them in my church computer. I keep them in my church computer so that I don't have to always look them up. And I can just go to them as soon as I need to. But there are three types of laws. There are moral laws. These are eternal, universal laws. God's laws. These are moral laws. We're going to talk about those today. There are ceremonial laws. These are the shadows of Christ. These were, when you have ceremonial laws, they'd be shadows of Christ. What do I mean by that? These were laws that they would have in the Old Testament, and they would be shadows of Christ in the sense that they were the kind of laws that they would have about the sacrificial lamb. They would have sacrificial lambs. They would have ceremonies on their holidays and things, and they'd have these sacrificial lambs to put upon the altar, and later on we'd have Christ to do that on the cross for us. He'd be our sacrificial lamb that we have on our ceremony. But this sacrificial lamb would represent cleanness and holiness. We would know that. Then there would be the judicial laws that God would talk about in the Old Testament. These were civil laws. In other words, law of the land, the legal rules. No different than the, the speed limit you see right here in front of church, which, by the way, is 25. It's 25. I'm saying that because sometimes I see people. I'm not necessarily talking about you. But I see people come by here. Woo, and then I see people who do 10. It's 25. That's all I'm just saying. So those are the judicial laws. That's the laws of the land, the civil laws. 
Those are the three types of laws in the Bible. But today, we're going to talk about the moral laws that always stay. That's Ten Commandments. The title of today's sermon is The Ten Still Win Against Sin. The Ten Still Win Against Sin. Wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute, Pastor. Is that true? Is that true that the ten still count? They still win against sin? Well, yes. And no. Well, yes and no. Well, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about that today. I know you're curious. I know you're curious. So let's get to that. Ten Commandments, the moral laws, the eternal universal laws, God's law. They're mentioned several times. You see, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, let's talk about that because he mentions them again in Leviticus and also in Deuteronomy. Not in Numbers so much, but in those others. And it's mentioned throughout the Bible again and again and again. Even in the New Testament. It's one way you know that they're still valid. But we talk about them even today. So God visits the Israelites as we get to, uh, first of all, when he brought them out of Egypt. you got to remember they were slaves for a long time in Egypt. That's why they had the false gods and God had to talk to them about that. They had false gods because they were in the land for a long, long, long time where they worshiped false gods. We talked about it a week ago. We talked about some of the false gods. And I forgot to mention this. Last week I mentioned all sorts of names of the false gods. One is called Nut, which explains a lot of how they were a little bit nutty. But they had all sorts of crazy false god names. One of their false gods had the body of a crocodile. See, here's what they do. They say, I like a little bit of this god, a little bit of that god. It's like going to a, it's like going to a salad bar. It's like I like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I went to a salad bar the other day. And I'm going to tell you, I, I had all sorts of things I put on there. But if you saw that plate, you'd probably go, ooh, he put all sorts of weird things in there. And you'd probably think that's gross. Well, that's what they did with some of those false gods in Egypt. They, they took a, a crocodile body, and they took like a, a dog head, and they took the, the hat that one of the quote-unquote goddesses was wearing. Now, can you imagine that? A dog face on a crocodile body and a goddess hat. Poor ugly soul. But this is, it was just a, a doll, though, you know, like a little model. But this is what they do. They take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they say, I want to get the best of all the worlds together. That's what they do. So God told them, you're not to do that anymore. So whenever they came out of Egypt, God met them at the bottom of a mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. That's what he did. And you can find that in the chapter 19 of Exodus. But he first had talked with Moses on top of that mountain. And so when he, and i got to stand up because I'm getting all excited, and that's good. So he was on top of that mountain with them. And when he was on top of that mountain with Moses, he said to them, he said, you tell them, I'm going to come down and meet them. Uh, Pastor, I thought you said that no one saw his face. Well, that's true. They didn't see his face. But he came down in smoke, in a cloud, and he saw them. They didn't see his face. But he said, Moses, you tell them, don't you come near that mountain. You stay at the bottom of the mountain because if they come up even halfway, they're going to die. You tell them they're going to, oh, he's mean. No, he's not mean. They're supposed to show reverence. In fact, here's what he said. He said, I'm not going to meet them today. You tell them they got three days, three days to get cleaned up. Wait, Pastor, what about, what about why cleaning up? Because he's reverent. He's reverent. He's holy. And we're supposed to show holiness too. This is why when we come to church, we're not supposed to just come in looking dirty and disgusted. This is why your pastor cleans up. Now, you may not be able to tell, but your pastor cleans up. Oh, he does. I don't always look so great. I usually wear a tank top. I'm usually sitting at home. I'm, I'm always handsome, but I look real handsome on Sunday mornings. And you know why? Because the pastor tries to do his best when he comes to God's house. I try to look my best. And you know why? I want to give my best unto God, just like you do. You want to give your best to God. You don't just come in wearing holy clothes. Okay, they may be holy in the sense that you're, they're your best. But you don't want to come in just looking nasty. No, you want to come in giving your best because you want to be 
sanctified. We want to give our best to Jesus, our best to God. That's what he said to these people. Give your best. Oh, God doesn't care. He loves you anyway. No, but you should care. You should care. You should give your best to God. We're not to give our least to God. And he said that even there. You can see it in chapter 19 of Exodus. Oh, it doesn't say that. Yes, it does. Read it. It says that. So they came to the bottom of the mountain. They didn't go anywhere near anywhere else. And he come down on the cloud right halfway through. And he said unto Moses, you tell him, don't you come near. Don't you come near that mountain. And so we get to chapter 20. We get to chapter 20 of Exodus. And I'm going to have my Bible open. Because even though I got a lot written down, I want to have it open in case I see a few other things I want to throw in there. So let's see what it says here. God visited those people. God visited those people. First of all, what does Jesus Christ say about this? Well, we know that the Ten Commandments still count. Because Jesus says, he says this. Some people say, well, Jesus came and he got rid of those laws. They don't count anymore. Yes, they do. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17. You can write that down. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. That means he didn't come to mark it out to where it looked you to throw it away. No, he came to establish, to make sure that you know that it's true. He came to make sure it's true. It's like, it's like something that you teachers, all you teachers here, say something, they go home and say, well, our teacher said this. And mom and dad said, well, your teacher's right. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Well, God told us this. And Jesus comes and says, I am God. And God was right. You might have misunderstood it, but God was right. Well, who was wrong then? You were wrong. Your understanding it was wrong. That's what it was. You see, Jesus Christ didn't say they don't count anymore. What he was saying, however, is that you're following the law, the rules, the commandments. That isn't what saves you. It's me fulfilling it and you believing in me that saves you. So let's read on now. What is commandment number one? Have no other gods before me. That's Exodus 20, verse 3. Let's read that completely through. You shall have no other gods before me. Pastor, aren't they following him? Yes, but God knows their background. God knows their background. It's always nice to learn someone's background. I got to meet a few people this week. got to learn a little bit of background. It was always fun. It's nice to learn people's background. I like to watch biographies. You know, you might know a famous person. You learn a little bit of their background and go, oh, I didn't know that. Huh? I didn't know they did that or whatever. It's nice to learn their background a little bit, just a little bit, you know. Here's the thing about it, though. Sometimes when you learn the background, you can understand why they make so stupid choices. If you see a person, a football or whatever, you see they get high on drugs and all these other things, and you find out their father was rough to them and all these other things, you can then understand. I'm not saying it justifies it. I'm saying you can understand when a guy wasn't taught right and he thought he was nothing. And then suddenly all these things fall in his lap and he goes out there and makes all these horrible choices. You can kind of understand. Again, not justifying the decisions, but you can understand because he was manipulated and, and twisted and turned and you can kind of get it. This is the way it is. They were raised and thought for all these years, all their lives, they were taught that there were, there were other gods. They were brought out of that land, but this is all they knew. And God was saying, you have no other God. And people say, we don't have that problem anymore. 
wrong. Let me go ahead and go to the second. Before we even move on, let's go to the second commandment, which was uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. It says this. Now I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing. You shall ha not make yourself any graven idol. I know, I know. There are other versions that say image. But we might as well just say what it is. In my version here, and I like it, it says any graven idol. Because that's what it is. Because some Christians misunderstand when you say image. They say, oh, you're not supposed to have a painting of Jesus. You're not supposed to have anything. You're not supposed to have a Hallmark card that, that talks about Jesus' birthday when he's in the manger. That's stupid. Folks, an idol is more appropriate because it doesn't mean that you're going to go to hell for having a painting of Christ when you're not worshiping the painting. We actually had a guy here at one time, a minister, who made us take down the painting of Jesus Christ. It wasn't my dad, okay? But, but the truth be told, that's dumb. That's dumb. We're worshiping Christ himself, not a painting of Christ. There's some people who won't have a cross. You're not bowing to the cross. You're bowing to the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead. But at that time, there were people who had those little false idols, and they really believed that was literally, the little idol was literally a god. A little crocodile body, dog face, uh, with a little hat, uh, God. A G, little G, God. So let's read on here. It says, Thou shalt not make yourself any graven idol or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water below the earth. Because remember, they also had sea creatures and all sorts of weird things. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of them who hate me. Remember, he knows the heart. Who hate me and showing loving kindness to thousands of them who love me and keep my commandments. See, there's a lot to that. This is why we got to sometimes get more than just the thou shalt not. We need to have a little more of the background. Just a little more. That's why I wanted to go to the Bible here. We're not to put anything before God. Anything at all. Some people say, that, that, we don't have to worry about that now. Yes, we do. Many times people put their wealth. What does that mean, their wealth? I'm not going to be wealthy. Mm, 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 mm. We're not just talking about our wealth. We're not just talking about trying to be uh, a Lex Luthor, a Donald Trump, or whatever else of a wealthy man. No, 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 no. Now, our job. Our job. Not to put our job before the Lord. I'm thrilled to see you people here on Sunday. I'm so thrilled for that. How many people, I can't be there on Sunday. I got a job. Okay, you have a job. When I got a job, my mom and dad told me, whatever job you get, whatever job you get, you tell them you can't work on Sunday. Yeah, but, but Pastor, we don't have a Sabbath. Well, we'll get to the Sabbath here in a moment. That's not the point. The point is, is that God is still God. And if you choose something else before God, that becomes your God. Some people say, well, uh, the Chiefs game is Sunday. Yeah, well, guess what? You can record it. Even before you could record it, God is still God. And if you choose the Chiefs before God, Chiefs is your God. Football is just a game. Now, I love it. Oh, I love it. But guess what? I don't love it more than I love God. Oh, but this one gal could only go on a date with me on Sunday. Well, she's going to have to wait. Because if she wants me to put her before God, no. Because you already started things off on the wrong foot. Oh, but wait a minute. This, there's a meeting, a work meeting, and it has to be this Sunday. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, I can understand it was a, a rare occasion, a rare occasion. But folks, if you start choosing things before God, they're going to think that God isn't that important to you. You've got to choose God before family, before friends, before your loved ones. You've got to. Now, I know once in a rare, rare occasion, that's something I can understand that. You're on vacation. I can understand that. 
But if you start choosing, and you start doing it more and more and more and more and more, and God is on the back burner, you better be careful. Because here's what you don't realize. God starts becoming on the back burner of your heart. Oh, God understands. Yeah, he understands. He understands he's on the back burner of your heart. Don't put things for God. And the idol goes right with that. Because whether you realize it or not, suddenly football becomes your idol. Or whatever it is, TV, entertainment. And so let me go on with that. Whether it be prestige, success, pride, comfort, loved ones, spouse, family, friends, emotional substitutes, people do that, habits, entertainment, and the list goes on and on and on. You can give me an amen, because we all know it. There you go. We all done it. Oh, not me. Yes, you. Yes, me. Yes, I did put habits and substitutes before the Lord. I didn't mean to, but I did it. I did it. I'm ashamed that I've done it. But I'm not doing it now. And you know what? Let's not look back to what we did do, but let's learn from what we did do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's, oh, i got to get up again because I'm getting around. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But here's the other thing, and I want you to remember. Satan tempts everyone. He tempts everyone. He even tempted Jesus to do this. But remember what Jesus said in Luke 4, 8. Oh, remember, when he was tempting Jesus to put other things before the Lord, even tempting him to bow down to Satan. What do you see in Luke 4, 8? He said to do things, and Jesus said this back to him in Luke 4, 8. Jesus answered him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. So the next time you have a temptation to put things before the Lord God, you remember the first commandment, and you remember the second commandment, and you, i got to take this off, and you remember what it says in there, Luke 4, 8. Jesus answered him, said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, for we shall serve the Lord God, and he alone shall we serve. Amen? Amen. We're not going to put anyone else before the Lord God. Only God shall we serve. He's number one, always. What is, what is it that we should remember? Well, here comes the third commandment. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Let's see what it says. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold guiltless anyone who takes his name in vain. Well, what does that mean, take his name in vain? This has been understood that we're not supposed to curse with his name. It's good to think that. We should. Cursing's wrong. We have all sorts of verses that could say that. Some people say, no, 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 it's okay. God understands. But folks, you should not curse with his name. You shouldn't. It is wrong. It's not exactly what it means, but you can put that in there too. It is taking his name in vain. You are misusing his name, but you're not to misuse his name. Let's take a look at that. Do not misuse his name. Do not make vows falsely. Do not curse with his name. That too. But let's take a look what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, 33 through 37. Because Jesus speaks about this. Jesus says, again, you have heard that it was said by the ancients, you shall not swear falsely, but shall fulfill your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. For whatever is more than these comes from the evil one. 
Now, folks, it doesn't mean you can't make a promise. It doesn't mean that. I've had someone say, see, you're not supposed to promise. No, that person was an idiot. Here's the thing. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is mean it with all your heart. Don't just let your words say something. Let your heart say it. Mean it from your heart. I know one person who can make a promise. Oh, I promise you I'm going to pay you back on Monday. Guess what? You're never going to see that money again. I know another person says, I'm going to pay you back on October the 25th. And guess what? October 25th, probably October 24th, it's going to be there. You know why? Because it's the person's heart. And you know it. You know them. But if you know a person who says they're going to give it, you know you're never going to see it, that's on you. It's on you. Because by your actions, you are known. Come on now. Come on. Number four commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's Exodus 20, verse 8. And what does it say? Oh, here we go. Here we go. On that verse, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, let's take a look at this. Now, back in the day, a lot of the Jewish people, they rested on that day, and they went overboard. You know, they went overboard. They went real overboard. I mean, you couldn't even sneeze without people sitting there saying, oh, you're going to hell. Oh, the Lord's mad at you because you sneezed. No, no, no. That's not what God's saying. But here's the thing. We also know that Jesus talked about this. Let's take a look and we'll see what Jesus said about this. On Matthew 12, 8, because right before that, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus and the disciples went and they picked up grain. They picked up wheat right from the field because they were walking and they went walking, picking up grain. And the, the, the Pharisees and others said, we saw you picking up that grain. Your men, you, you're teaching your men, your disciples to pick up this grain. And that's wrong. And what did Jesus say back to him? For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's what it says in Matthew 12, 8. And it is a day of worship. It's a day of worship. But here's the thing. What it means is God fulfilled that day. Our day of worship is not literally on the Sabbath. Not anymore. We don't go back to Jewish law. That Jewish law is fulfilled. Now, it doesn't mean that on the Sabbath you can't sneeze. It doesn't mean that you can't go out and pick up something to eat. Some people take that too literal. It's not what it means. That's fulfilled. That is fulfilled by Christ. That law got too stringent. What it means is that you can are supposed to have a day of rest, just like God rested. It's a day that we choose here in America uh, as Christians. We still have a day of rest because God needed a day of rest. We need to have relaxation. Our body is still just a regular human body, and we need to have a holy body. If you don't, if you go too much, boom, 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 your body cannot handle that. And God wants us to have a day of relaxation, but mostly a day of worship in a day of respect to God. This is why it's been chosen to be on Sunday. Some churches do it on Saturday, but we do it as a day of respect to God. A lot of people don't do that. This was why back in the day, back in the 50s and even the early 60s, there was a time where things were closed. Everything was closed down. Everything was closed down. Some of you were here to, to know it. Whenever something was on Sunday, I'm, that's why Saturday people were, were beating the bush to get to the store. And they were getting the, whatever they needed for the Sunday. Because come Sunday, boom, 
Now, the hospital was open. There were some cops and things like that, but everything else was, boom, quiet. In fact, my very favorite show of all time, Andy Griffith, had a show about this, how there was nothing open, not even the gas station was open. Nothing was open on Sunday. Sunday was quiet. Good day of rest. Now, folks, I'm not saying that. I actually had one person say that if you're a Christian, you're evil for going to McDonald's on Sunday. That's not true. That's not true. They are going to be open with or without you. The whole point is that on that day is a day of worship, a day of relaxation. And that's the point, okay? Do not work because it's a day that we're supposed to show God our honor, okay? And that's that. Now, moving on from there, we have number five. What's number five? Honor your father and mother. I know people ought to mix that up, mother and father. No, father and mother. Father and no, father comes first. Not because the father is more important, but father is supposed to leave the house with the mama. So, father and mother. Exodus 20, verse 12. Now, let's see what that says. Oh, let's see what that says. It says, it says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is not just a rule for the children. This is a rule for the father and the mother. Because the father and the mother is supposed to raise up a child in the way they should go. Whoa, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's see that. Raise up a child in the way they should go, and the end it will not depart from them. We know that's from Psalm. But let's see what it says here. Actually, it's Proverbs. But let's see what it says here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. It says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to have a long life necessarily, but it means if your father and mother are following God and doing his will, that you're going to live long because they're going to live long living for God, that God knows what's right and God knows what's wrong. And anyone who doesn't follow him isn't doing what's right. That's what it means. Now, these first five commandments, these first five commandments is doing everything spiritually right in your life. This is how it works in the commandments. You have the first five, and the first one's the most important. No other gods. Put God first, nothing else. And those first five is getting your life spiritually right, set right. And then you have the next five. And what does that mean? That means to have everything morally right in your life. But if you already have the first five in your life, get back up, okay. If you already have the first five in your life, guess what? Everything else is going to be taken care of. Everything else is going to be taken care of. Because you have your life spiritually right. How many people say, I love God. I love God. He's the most important thing to me. But their life doesn't show it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said you love the Lord God? But then you look in the mirror and you say, oh, but I'm doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I'm not going to listen. Maybe someone that you're with in a, in a relationship, and you know they're not living right because they're not living right. You're not living right. You might try to blame them. It's not them. It's you. Maybe things you're watching on television. I know I've done it. Things you'll watch on television aren't right. Music you're listening to. And I'm not saying that you have to turn off everything, throw it in the trash. I'm not saying it. But what the things that you listen to, the things that you talk to, the people that you're with all the time, you're known by the company you keep. Oh, but I'm not hanging around them. I'm just listening to them. Folks, that's still company you keep. And it comes out. Let your company be God. If you're spiritually right, you'll be morally right. If you're not, you won't. Let's go on. Commandment number six. 
Here we go. Do not murder. Do not murder. In the King James, it says, thou shalt not kill. This gets misunderstood. This doesn't mean if you go out this call with a gun going after Bambi or Bambi's family that you're going to hell. It doesn't mean that. And I want you to remember that I said that. Because come this Thanksgiving, if you have any leftover beer, my uh, address is 5312 Northeast 43rd. Anyway, <laughs> all that being said, murder is wrong. But when you start slipping spiritually, when you start making excuses morally, it's a slippery slope. Oh, I would never murder. A lot of people said that. We'll get to that in a moment. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. 26 through 27. It says, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath, depending on the version you're reading. You say thing. Do not give a place to the devil. Because you see, you think that you would never do that. Suddenly, one thing leads to another to another. Next thing you know, you're in an argument. You put in a smart note with, I know I've done it. Then another and another. Before long, the person starts getting physical. Before long, something else, something else. And you, you find yourself in a position. You never thought you'd be in, oh, I've never do that. But you'd have no idea. Just don't go there. Stay with the Lord God. Spiritually, you'll never have to worry about the morality of it. But what's the next one? Number seven from Exodus 20:14. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. Oh, I would never do that. Oh, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot from friends, from family, from many others. Do not commit adultery. Listen to what it says, though. It says, do not commit adultery. But in reality, we're not to cheat on loved ones. Not at all. Not with a heart with our mind, with our eyes, with our soul, with, I don't know. What does Jesus say about this? Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. He says this, You have heard that it was said by the ancients, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if you're Right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. This is, of course, not being literal. For it is profitable that one of your members should perish, that not, and not that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is profitable that you, uh, for you that one of your members should perish, and not your whole body be thrown into hell. It was said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Now, he's not saying that you're a horrible person if you married a divorced woman already. No, what he's saying is to you, because that's, that's, that's not the same. What he's saying to you, he's talking to these people who are, at that time, the people in, in uh, the Jewish people, they were throwing women around. Just, I'm done with her. I'm going to give me another one. I'm done with her. Then give me another one. They were treating them like baseball cards. They were just trading them off. I don't need this. I just want, I want a Babe Ruth card. No, 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 no. Better treat that Babe Ruth a little bit better. The truth be told, we aren't to do that to people. Treat their hearts right. We're not to commit adultery. 
Treat them like a queen. Women, treat your men better. Men, treat your women better. It used to all be about how men treated women. Nowadays, it's both. Is it equal? It's equal. Treat them like you would yourself. Doing others you'd have them doing to you. Treat them like you should. You don't want to be on that. Number eight, do not steal. Exodus 20, 15. Do not take what is not yours. Do not cheat. Do not manipulate. And, uh, do not be in a manipulative process or make excuses for it. I could go on with steal. We know what stealing is, but I'm going to tell you a lot of people manipulate and say, I didn't really steal. Technically, you know what they say, it was on my land. So technically, even though it was in their pocket, technically, technically, oh, hush up with the technically. Technically, you stole, but stealing. And do not lie, Exodus 20, verse, verse 16. What does it say? Well, let's take a look. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't, don't lie. Quit your lying. I won't, don't want to get too much into uh, politics, but I'm going to tell you something. You can see it all over television. All over television. My goodness. If you had to have a spokesmember on both sides, maybe one more than the other, but on both sides, Pinocchio would be the one. He'd be the one. He'd be the one. Because I tell you what, and, and we're not talking Pinocchio with the little nose. We're talking about Pinocchio with the, whoop, the long nose. Because I mean to tell you, baby, they're, they're all over the place. Okay, we need to be honest because Christ is truth. He is the truth, the way, the truth, the life. We need to remember that we as Christians need to be honest always. I'm not talking about being hurtful because you can use some diplomacy. But you need to be honest always. People need to know that they can come to you and hear the truth. Be honorable. Now, here's the big one. Here's the big one. The real big one. And just wait. It's big. The big one. Do not covet your neighbor's things. What does that mean? In other words, do not lust. Do not lust. Is that really what it means? Yes. I one time told someone that it means, the Bible says do not lust. And that's one of the commandments. I said, that, that's not in the commandments. Yes, it is. That's what it means not to covet. Don't lust. Lust isn't just a sexual thing, by the way. It's not just a sexual thing. It's more than that. Let's read what it says in Exodus 20, verse 17. Exodus 20, verse 17. This one it says. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or husband. It says, or his manservant or his maidservant or his ox or his donkey or his car. <laughs> or anything that is your neighbor's. And by the way, we're not just talking about the people that live next door. We're talking about anybody anywhere on television, in the movies, down the street, that you see at Walmart, that you see at Walgreens, that you see here or there, that you see at the church. Don't covet my ties. I know you all do. He's got 300 of them. He could give me one. I know you covet my hairline. Let's be honest. I know you covet my wonderful looks. I know that. I mean, we all do. But here's the thing. We're not to covet. We're not to lust. We're not to want something that doesn't belong to us. And I know if you see something you like, I know sometimes it's hard. But God can give us. He can provide. God can provide everything. But I tell you what God said about this. Jesus Christ himself in Matthew. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Listen to what he says. He says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said to him, you shall love. Did someone ask him, what's the most important of the commandments? And he said this, oh, listen, because this is the thing that God revealed to me just this week. What's the most important of the commandments? 
Oh, God revealed to me something I had never looked at before. We know what the most important of the commandments are. We know. We've heard them before. But God revealed to me why it is the way it is and the way that it is. Listen to this now. Listen. Jesus said to him in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, that's the first commandment. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I got to thinking about that. And then I got to looking at the commandments. And I had them all lined up as I was getting the sermon prepared. And I was praying on it. And Eureka, the Lord showed me what that is. That's the first commandment. And that's the last commandment. And brrr, all the others meet right there in the middle. If you have the first commandment and the last commandment, and they meet all in the middle, the most important of the two commandments, to love God and put him first and to love your neighbors and put them before yourself and right in the middle, everything else is. If you love God and put him first, spiritually you'll be set. If you love everyone else more than yourself, everything we write, you're not going to want all their stuff. You're not going to want to hurt them. You're not going to want to take what doesn't belong to you. You're not going to want to do all of those things. You're not going to want to hurt them or steal from them or lie to them. You're going to treat them better than you treat yourself. God put all that, be spiritually right, be morally right. It's all put together. And it was like a eureka moment. My eyes were set straight. I could actually see even without my ugly glasses. I could see perfectly fine, spiritually speaking. So what does it say? We already know because your pastor says it almost every week in Luke 6.31, to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And it says that right there in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, yes, the ten still win against sin. It doesn't mean by living, because not one person has ever lived and never, ever, ever completely lived by the Ten Commandments and never, ever have they not broken one. But Jesus Christ has. Jesus Christ, the Lord God has, and we have him who lives within us. But we can follow the Ten Commandments, and by following them, because of Christ who lives within us and the Holy Spirit, we know that we will be fine. And after, well, let me read this to you. Romans 13. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Romans 13, 8 through 10 says to us, Owe no one anything except, except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not covet. And if there are any other commandments are summed up by saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no evil to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. After Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai with God, he wrote the commandments on the tablets. And it says this, in, and I'm just telling you this so you'll know, because we know that God came down and spoke to all the people. So when people say, well, because we've heard it said before, people have said, how are we supposed to know all this? Only Moses heard it. No, that's not true. You now know for a fact. All the people heard God say it. Then Moses went up and spoke to God for 40 days. And he didn't eat. He didn't drink. Just like Jesus later on. Foreshadow. And then, and then, and then, as we see in Exodus chapter 34, Verse 28, we see that the Lord God himself wrote on a 
tablet, the Ten Commandments, so we could be reminded. Now we know what happened to those tablets. When Moses got down, the people were breaking the law right away, making other gods a golden calf. That's right. A golden cow, so to speak. He threw them down, broke them, and they had to rewrite them down. Listen to what it says in John 15. Remember, this is at the Last Supper. In John 15, verse 10 through 12, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you, that my joy, my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Life is not easy. We have hard times. And there's going to be people who tell you that the Ten Commandments don't count anymore. That's all been fulfilled by Jesus. But that's not how it works. It's true, it is true, that the ceremonial laws, we don't follow that. And we don't follow the judicial laws. That was their civilian laws back then in their land. But as far as the moral laws of the Lord God, they still count. They don't count in the sense that we have to fulfill them in order to be saved. No. No. The one who saves us is Jesus Christ. He fulfilled those laws. It's by faith in his grace that we are saved. But these moral laws still set a blueprint for our lives. We are to have no other gods. Put God first, no matter what that God may be in our lives. And we all have them at times. We look at them and say, oh, I didn't mean to put that before the Lord. He understands. But the Holy Spirit is good to us because he says to you, this is getting before me. This image, whatever it might be, is getting before me. And we take care. I have no other God before God. I have no graven idol. Whatever it might be, put that behind the Lord. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. We might do that sometimes by accident. We may misuse his name. Whatever it might be, God will take care of it. But listen to him. Don't just hear it. Be obedient to it. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. It's not the same as it was, but we still have a day of remembrance to the Lord. A holy day. Get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Worship him. Follow That's what we're doing right now. You're doing that. Honor your father and mother. You've done that. Continue to honor them in your remembrance of them. That's good. They've done that. They raised their kids to do so. I'm glad. I'm glad. And maybe your father and mother didn't. But you know what? Praise the Lord God. He gives us a chance to fix that. I'm very thankful for people I know who's it's sad their father and mother may not have raised them right, but God fixes it. He even did that with some of the kings whose fathers and mothers didn't raise them right, but God said, ha ha, you don't have to do the same as them. I want to help you. I want to whoop, fix it. Put it on the right path. You know what's great about some of these things we have on our phones? What do you call them? Uh, uh, looking for directions. GPS. My mother, and my mother and I have been trying to find my way to a doctor. The other day, that stupid GPS sent us the wrong way. Luckily, we figured it out. So the GPS sent us the wrong way. The world does that sometimes. But luckily, we were able to recognize where we were at. The GPS isn't always right, but the Lord God's word is, the Holy Spirit is. And their directions get mixed up. But God does it. You have a Holy Spirit GPS in you. Follow it when the world tries to give you the wrong direction. Follow it. The Ten Commandments are always right. 
even when we misunderstand or people give us misrepresentation of it, we already know to stay away from the anger because it will lead to these things, to stay away from the flesh. It will lead to anger, murder, adultery, stealing, lying, coveting the things of other people's things. God gives us what we need, not always what we want. And by the way, the things that we want will sometimes lead to things that we don't need and it will take us away from that spiritual relationship with God in the first place. Praise God, I haven't always gotten what I want. Amen? And with that, I will close with 1 John 5, 1 through 5. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. And it says in 1 John 5, 1 through 5, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the one born of the Father. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ has already overcome the world and he lives in you. And it is Jesus, the Lord God, the Holy Spirit that helps us every day to say no to the temptations not to listen to these commandments. So do these things. Follow God. He is with you every step of the way. Let us bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Lord, we thank you that you have given us the rules, you have given us a blueprint, a map. And Lord, you've even given us, you've even given us a spiritual GPS to help us in those moments that we sometimes get lost in the map. And Lord, you help us, Lord Jesus, to be able to turn around and get things right. There's times we make excuses to take a left turn when we shouldn't and take a right turn when we want to. But Lord God, you always put us back when we listen, when we follow you. If there be anyone out there today, Lord God, who is messing up, who's making mistakes, who's maybe making excuses, who's breaking your word, I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will help them today to get back, to get back and follow you correctly. Maybe they've been misinformed. Maybe they misunderstood some of the things that were said about you fulfilling the commandments, fulfilling the word, fulfilling the law. Maybe they felt that they could just do anything they want to do because they're saved by grace. But Lord, we know that's not exactly what it means. Sometimes we make excuses for it. So I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will follow you and do what is right by your word. I pray this in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen. And amen.